Welcome to Girls Room, where each week we unpack the foundational text of the 2010s, HBO's Girls. I'm Julia Gray, and with me I have my incredible co-host, Drew Haskins, and we have a very, very special guest, Vanity Fair writer Chris Murphy. Welcome to the Girls Room. Oh my god, I've always dreamed of being in the Girls Room, so this is such an honor. I'm so excited. (laughs) Is it just as you imagined? <laughs> it's a little bit not like, you know, the abandoned uh, Vine show. Remember that? <laughs> she had the whole sketch, the girls' room. That's what I imagined it to be like. But this is actually, this is, it's just the same. In a okay. Way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's comforting. I, what's, what was the girl's name who loved eggs? Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Um, I like eggs. What was her name? <laughs> oh. I'm listening it up right now because it's going to bother me the rest she of the show. Mandy, where, where is, is she? she? She was such a comedic, she was such a talent. Oh. Put her on ultra She's dead. <laughs> what was her name? Um, oh my god. Sorry. Sorry to completely we'll, derail we'll, us. No, we'll, we'll need a live her, her name is Debbie. Debbie. Oh, Debbie. Of course it was Debbie. Oh god. And the one from Tennessee. God, that was a great sketch comedy. <laughs> It was, I mean, I wish they'd bring it back. They could do an all new cast and really kind of maintain the spirit of the show. They really could. They really could. You don't need, who needs a man to be a man? I don't. Chris, I want to hear about your relationship with girls. Like, how did you come to the show? Where were you in your life when it came out? Okay, that's a fantastic question. Um, because everyone, I think it really does matter where you were in your life. Like, how deep in you were to girls and like how much it sort of like shaped you, you know, the very core of our beings. Right. Um, and I actually, I have no idea how old either of you are, but I'm pretty sure I will see it was like 2010, 2011. I was like the end of like, I was like senior of high school, like going to college, like girls was like sort of like the show while I was in college. That's like what we watched. Um, so it was like a, at a very mm-hmm. like, like impressionable time of your life because like, you're old enough Mm -hmm. where you like get every single thing and it's like you're like oh like you're like you can like sort of relate to them a little bit but you're like young enough that you're like they're still sort of like too like not they're obviously not aspirational but you're like oh like I'm gonna learn from their mistakes and I'm not gonna be like them when I'm in my early to mid-20s like (laughs) so you like it was that sweet spot Mm -hmm. of like of um I'm sure Catherine Cohen talked about this when she was on the pod friend of we watched it in college all the time but like Mm -hmm. it's just young enough to like to feel seen but not old enough to be like scared if that makes sense that's a really good way of putting that's (laughs) yeah I think it's been nice to rewatch this now like having watched it as a like late high schooler into college and then now like in Julian Mai's late 20s like we kind of missed the dark period that they're covering on the show. Like, no, that's so okay. So we're actually exactly yeah. the same because <laughs> that is exactly me, late twenties now. And yeah, it's funny because I didn't watch it like in my like mid twenties, like you know, twenty three to twenty seven or whatever, in terms of like vaguely the years that they are supposed to be. Um, and I think it was so good. Like when I rewatched it, I rewatched it this spring for like a like a Vanity Fair piece, just like because it's been ten years since it came out. And I was like, whoa, now I'm older than all the girls. Like before I was younger than the girls, mm-hmm. but now I'm older than the girls. Mm-hmm. And like, that was a mindful. And I would be like, oh God, Chosh, like you're going to learn. You're going to, you're going to figure it out. Like, you know, Marnie, you're making crazy decisions. Like it just, it was so nice to sort of come back, you know, as like more of a like 
a little bit wiser, but still being like, oh shit, I do see myself in each and every one of them in some ways. Um, and that has to be said. Yeah. So quality wise, how do you think the show has held up over the okay, past decade? I'm, and I, I'll bang this drum until uh, the day that I die. It's fucking brilliant. It's so good. There's not a show <laughs> that I can think of that better captured a specific moment. Again, where I use the word specific very importantly. Like it's an important word. It's a specific moment of culture and a specific slice of a moment of culture in terms of like the zeitgeist and like what it was like to be like mm-hmm. a group of friends who lived in this one part of Brooklyn and like all went to Oberlin and like were privileged and rich and white for the most part, right? So I think it gets some unfair flack for not being all things to all people and for sort of being sort of very um, niche in that way and maybe not addressing all the things that, you know, it it could have. But like, guess what? Art, it can't do, art can't speak to everything all the time. Like, I think it did such a beautiful job, such a wonderful, really great job of um, capturing, you know, a, a, a slice of the world and also then shaping like what came next. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it holds up really well. I don't think every episode is perfect, but I, in, in rewatching it, I was like, oh, this shit still slaps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you're in good company. We're both like huge girls fans girls apologists yes. I, justice um, for girls I, my my vanity fair piece was justice for girls and i will say the girls of girls don't get the credit that they're due the men of girls have they're you know they're all sort of insanely famous now and thriving and you know getting nominated for oscars and whatnot not all of them but a bunch of them are the girls of girls that's what the show was and they really deserve they deserve they deserve their day in the sun that's true. I mean, Allison Williams is about to be in that movie M3 Gam. Yes. <laughs> the Psycho Doll. So maybe she'll, maybe that'll really propel her again. Yeah. I mean, she's found a really great niche oh. in sort of horror, you know, in the horror genre. And I'm happy for her. Um, but I want even more for her. But yes, M3 Gam, that's true. Uh, that, <laughs> I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. In, in your Vanity Fair anniversary piece, you wrote, Um, and I quote girls was boldly and unabashedly ugly and its legacy underscores the fact that there's nothing society is more critical and disdainful of than a woman it deems unattractive great line Um, damn I forgot and (laughs) (laughs) weird to hear your words read back to you (laughs) but as like a girls fan girls apologist what do you think about the discourse kind of moving from this anti-lena sentiment to now I feel like there's this newfound embrace of girls that we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I and I think the two episodes that we're, I don't want to jump to the two episodes that we're about going to talk about, but like, I think they were it was sort of a, a really great encapsulation of like that entire sort of thesis and that like, it can get, it can get really ugly, really hard to, you know, show some of the rawest, worst sides of people, mm-hmm. the things that we don't want to hide, um, which, some might say is what art is supposed to do. It's supposed to challenge us and make us look into ourselves and see things. I mean, I think people are now um, mm-hmm. just sort of coming around to the fact that while there are definitely, you know, things involving nepotism and privilege that like deserve to be interrogated and that should be interrogated when, and brought up when talking about girls, that doesn't necessarily discount like the actual work that was happening. And there was a lot of also totally unfair and completely sexist and, misogynist and frankly just disgusting sort of talk I specifically remember you know about women's bodies and what you know 
who can and cannot mm-hmm. get naked on screen. And what does that mean? That girls totally like flouted conventions in that way, which was so good and so like healing and phenomenal that I think that like, yeah, I think Lena and like all of them got a lot of completely unnecessary and uncalled for shit just by being women who didn't fit a certain type of, you know, norm or look um, or aesthetic that we were used to seeing on screen act in a certain type of way. I, I feel like I'm sounding vague, but I also feel like I'm making sense. <laughs> no, you're definitely making no. sense. Like a few weeks ago, we talked about the oh, Patrick Wilson episode and like the discourse, like the contemporary discourse around that at the time where like, People were like, she is not she hot enough for Patrick Wilson. Him. Like, yeah. this just feels like like a diary fantasy. Like, as if that's a bad thing, As if that's a bad so thing. And it's like, also like, I remember hearing it too, because like, you know, I was like 18, 17, you know, when these, when this was happening. And like, you sort of, you know, we ha- I hadn't lived enough to know, you know, to know anything. But it's like, you know, now at my big old age of 29, it's like, of course, any, like, it's, it's, it was, watching that now, I think that would have been one of the biggest like shifts that episode specifically because like I so remember viscerally the discourse with that being like oh like Lena couldn't pull Patrick Wilson and it's like mm-hmm. when you're a kid like you don't know and then it's like oh wait like he's like a horny doctor in his 40s and like here comes this like you know smart precocious 25 year like it, it makes it made all the sense in the world it couldn't make more sense right and that's just this type of thing that I think hindsight yeah. does that I think we've I think we are mm-hmm. uh, hopefully as a culture sort of like interrogated like the places that we were coming from when we criticized certain pieces of art and you know some of is and some of that was coming from like a bad sort of unfair place um and I think we were also pretty fucking stupid it's hard to be <laughs> I think a lot of people don't know how to process things or take things in while they're happening and like <laughs> actually hindsight is twenty twenty. so I'm all here for the Lena Sans do I think she's perfect no is she sometimes a delusional girl in a delusional world yes <laughs> um but do i love her do i think she's like yes she made a really incredible piece <laughs> of art fuck yeah uh, i think i think i completely agree and you gave all the right caveats like is she so often delusional does she kind of slip up yeah but it is it's I'm, a feature. It's not a bug. Yeah. Like we need. I love it when celebrities get like a little delusional in general. It's why I am such a Gwyneth <laughs> apologist. But, like Lena, at least is smarter than Gwyneth. Yeah, like, I would. I but but it is. It's kind of funny now, like having to like talk to celebrities sometimes for a living via Vanity Fair. It's like it just puts in perspective. Like oh, they're all their lives are so weird and so far from like me or you like you or I like it's just it's so crazy like if they're not acting weird then it's like truly it's the fakest thing in the world and it's like it's like it's like then it's like there's something wrong that's like they should be acting weird because yeah. they are completely they're weird um and that's not like an excuse that's not to excuse that but like it just is like yeah if Gwyneth Paltrow was just like talking to like you know felt like talking to your girlfriend then looks like that's not something's off she's she's pulling a fast one on us mm-hmm. yeah um before we dive into recapping the episodes which girl are you oh my god i used to do okay i used to have a whole entire thing in college i would ask everybody which girl they were and then like obviously i wouldn't tell them the rules and then i'd say well i'm a jessa slash hannah and i would l- i would allow myself to be a hat oh, a slash. um 
Although I do think everybody does have is cusp is like a mix of two because I do think that I do think it's that's how I approach this. Um, let's see. I think I think I wanted to be a Jessa when I was like watching it initially because like she was like wild and bohemian and she did whatever she wanted and she was she had all these problems and the drugs and the and the fiance you know all you know it was just like sort of like romantic to me even though like what she was going through was really sort of horrible and she you know there's a lot to be said am i just that no i'm not really a jessa i do think oh it's actually scary now being like oh like i'm like a writer in, in their 20s who like you know writes personal things and like i'm like oh god the hannah does it, it, like it does jump it does jump out a little bit sometimes I'm like oh that's that's scary but that's um that that is i do feel like a little like a hannah and then you know what i think a mix of hannah and shosh i have some shosh in me too i'm really not a marnie i say that with love there's not any part of me marnie is just not 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 my not my gal but my best friend is kind of a marnie so that also adds so it does work out so that works out you have representation yeah. what about wait i want to know what are wait, who are you both <laughs> it's an impossible <laughs> question every week and i don't feel like any better about saying that every week to do this um but i do have some like jessa in my chart as well mm. I love that. I'm jealous of that. I wish I think I, I aspired to be Jessa, but I like, but I, so, but I could, a Marnie Jessa, that's sort of the perfect, that's sort of where you want to be. That's like a, that's a gorgeous. It, 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 feels very, it feels very toxic in ways that I don't think we have like the language to fully describe <laughs> yet, but I'm i I'm still on my journey to process what that means mm, for me. Okay. I do. I, but I, I support that. I support that a full, full tilt, full heartedly. Wait. Okay. Julia, what are you? I am a Hannah Shoshkosk. Oh, oh my well. God. So we are the same. Okay. So we're kindred. <laughs> we're aligned. Are you also a Libra? Uh, no, I know I'm a Virgo, but I do have a lot of, I'm okay. like, which, like, what would get It's, it's, there's, they're sisters. They're sisters. They're sisters. And that's, there's some shows in there. And there's some, this episode specifically, Hannah, some of it, Hannah's uh, mental illness has a lot of Virgo, oh <laughs> a lot my of Virgo God. tendencies. Saw a lot there of is. <laughs> There's a lot to get into in these two episodes. They like really shoved a lot in. Mm, they really, and I'll say this, and I wanted to say this earlier, but I guess we'll get into it now. Um, I do think season two, episode nine of Girls is a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It should be studied in schools, in <laughs> colleges, in boardrooms by the UN. It is so, it is, I cannot think wow. of a more like, impactful hilarious more devastating episode than the penultimate episode of season two of girls i agree i think it's one of the two like totemic masterpieces of this season along with yes, the patrick wilson a, episode also, uh, yeah this is like full it's like shades of body horror in every plot <laughs> line i i actually i mean i've never done this before watching the show i did have to fast forward through certain scenes which we will oh. get to but it was a uh, <laughs> like great art makes you react and i definitely reacted <laughs> very yeah. very strongly to all of that. absolutely turning absolutely. Uh, i think we can just get into the episodes without further ado yes oh my god i'm oh god i'm i'm right there with you let's do it 
Um, so season two, episode nine is a big episode. And what we usually do is we go through each girl's storyline. So okay. everyone it. is just like unraveling. So there's a lot of heavy stuff. So maybe we start with Hannah and then move through the lighter. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Ooh. Hannah's OCD is hitting her hard. She's um, now just kind of reckoning with the fact that her OCD is back. And she meets with her book editor, John Cameron Mitchell. Um, who is out, who is perfect and out of just a completely different era. Like when she had, like, it, that was like my night, like I had nightmares about that happening, like <laughs> like at work or like as a writer where you like to hand something in and they're just like, this makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> yes. Which like that oh doesn't happen God. really anymore, you think, but just to see it, I just like, I was like, oh my God, I like. Oh, it was so funny, but I felt for her so much more viscerally than I ever could have before, you know, before becoming a writer. Yeah, I mean, it's also just the way he tells her he hates her pages. He says, (laughs) Hannah, did your hymen grow back? Where's the sexual failure? Where's the pudgy face slicked with semen and sadness? Oh, Again, that is actually like, and that writing is so fucking funny. Um, also, yeah. the way that scene, the way that it opens with John Cameron Mitchell telling the assistant uh, three chais, and it's just the two of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, he's like, "You've been working out. Stop that." Like you're dealing with an absolute sociopath, but like that doesn't mean that it didn't like completely, oh deeply. And I, I feel like Lena doesn't get enough credit as an actress. You can feel even though she's trying to, you know, like be professional and she's like, yeah, I've got 200 pages. She's lying out of her ass. Like, yeah, I've got 200 pages ready for you. Um, and trying to take his criticism. You can, you can feel the emotional weight of it, of just getting absolutely destroyed by the, you know, the mm-hmm. one person that believes in you and someone that you're like supposed to respect or supposed to be like an authority figure in your community in your, in your life. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. You feel her, you see her shrinking in her chair. She says um, she had sex with a teenager last month and she's willing to talk about it. So she's like really grasping at straws. She has no stories at this point. She's got, she's literally got nothing. She's at the end of her rope. Oh, yes. Oh, but it, then it does uh, get worse. It does. I mean, believe it or not, it does it's get so worse. Tough. Her, as Drew mentioned, kind of body horror plot line. Um, she she gets a splinter in her ass, I think it is. Yeah, because she was too lazy to get up and just walk across the room. Yeah. She decided to scoot, which that <laughs> did get me this time because I've been there. <laughs> Sometimes you have to scoot, but usually you're wearing pants when you scoot. Yes, usually. Yeah, and she's just like addicted to like wearing shorts up to her yeah. asshole. So like it just it's never gonna, it's not a recipe it's for simply success. Simply not a recipe for the success in any way, no. shape, or form. Um, and then we see her in the bathroom, uh, and she sticks a Q-tip just way too far inside her ear. She so hard to watch. Gave me chills. Yeah. Screams. Had to look away. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, but this you, is fast forward. That's <laughs> so fair. I actually was, I was just watching it. Um, and like, it is, it's more visceral. I don't know. Once you know that it's going to happen, it's just, you can't look, you can't look. It's mm-hmm. really, it's really hard. And, but you're also like, oh, it probably felt so good until it felt so bad. That's the thing. She probably, it was probably so satisfying uh, until she yeah. went too far. She goes to the hospital um, and... <laughs> 
what does the doctor say? He says, oh, no, she says, I've been having a lot of trouble with my mental state. And the doctor's like, you're kidding. <laughs> I feel like this is just yeah. physical kind of manifestation <laughs> of her mental state. Like she needed to act out almost and get literal medical treatment. Yeah, she was, I mean, she's like spiraling. I mean, this is like the beginning of like the, like the, not the beginning, obviously, but like the next two episodes, she's going down a hill real fast. And like, she was mm-hmm. desperately needs any person to come and save her. Normally it's like her parents will come, yeah. but like now they're like, you know, they're setting up boundaries and she's alienated all her friends in her life. So it's just like, and from anywhere, from anyone, she, you know, even if it's a doctor who's like, yeah, mm-hmm. no shit, you're crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, she just like refuses to learn her lesson. We see her later at her apartment going back for the other ear. Just the well, she was And like, it even. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like, true. even when she's in the hospital, like, she's asking the doctor to like check her other ear and like put drops in the other ear and stuff. Like, it just, it's so hard to watch her scenes this episode. And she, I mean, like, Chris said that. Like, her acting is just, like, out of this world unbelievable. Like, in the, both of these episodes, I think she's, like, going for the Emmy reel. And I think she got nominated this season mm. for the last time. For the last time. Oh, that's so unfair. But that does scan. Because yeah. it really, she really commits, you know, in a really, yeah. uh, like, kind of scary way. And I feel like I remember, like, the discourse about uh, season two of being, like, not as good as season one. Or, I like... I feel like people sort of like didn't like the direction that her story went at the time, or maybe that was just like amongst the people that I was with or around, but watching it now, I'm like, Oh, like I can't think of like a more visceral depiction of like that specific type of, you know, mental illness or break that sort of break, you know, and, um, and that then what happens to Hannah by the end of season two. Um, But so I just like, Kudos, kudos to kudos to Alina as a writer, an actress, and a directress too. Absolutely. I mean, I also feel like the, she kind of set up the Hannah character for this character arc, this kind of favorable character arc a few episodes back. But towards the end of the season, she just completely regresses, and it's I don't know. It, it's an interesting move. You know, she really could have kind of had that realization in the Patrick Wilson episode and then, you know, made her life a little better, <laughs> but she, she yeah. did not. But she can't learn. She couldn't, she couldn't learn from her mistakes. Oh. And yeah. sorry, go ahead, Drew. Well, I was going to say, do we want to talk about Adam? Well, yeah, because yeah. that's another part that gets like, so, I mean, adding, you know, mm-hmm. insult to injury, you just wrecked one of your ears you're walking home and then you see your ex-boyfriend and he's at an engagement party with his new girlfriend. Yeah, I would also take a Q-tip to my ear and you know, burst my eardrum. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're seeing Adam kind of on the same, like he almost was getting better and then completely regresses. But um, before before they have their run-in on the sidewalk, we see adam at his new girlfriend's apartment and things are progressing she says she's ready to have sex in this way that's like very after school special (laughs) you can tell they're (laughs) they're so different she's very um you know uh, put together and i'm struggling to come up with the words basic is not totally right but 
um, Adam is just this, you know, as we know, not a monster, but uh, a very specific person. She's, she's she's not not basic. Like I just really, she's so normal, especially in relation to him, that she almost like yeah, she does seem kind of yeah, basic. I think yeah. like well, he is like an animal. Like he's like all id. He can't like you know he can barely exist in society. Like when she takes him to the party, he has mm-hmm. to talk to like make small talk with that guy about like sports or whatever. And he can't do it. It's like, he really like, he's so <laughs> like sort of primal and like Cro-Magnon in a way that like the fact that she just like, is like mm-hmm. a functioning human who, uh, you know, a woman who like knows what she wants and knows what she likes and isn't like, you know, l- lost and taking his lead. Like, I think that first scene with them where they're like having sex and she's like very specific about, I mean, the sex scenes of this episode are also iconic and created a lot of discourse. But uh, Shiri Appleby, who is so good, she's oh so God. fantastic. Yeah. I love Shiri Appleby as Natalia, the new girlfriend. Um, when she's like being very clear about what she wants, he's so taken by it because he's never really thinking about what other people want. He's just thinking about what he wants. Um, and like, and that level of communication, I think, is mm-hmm. like is like throws him. Um, and is you know, it's sort of played for like comedic effects. But now I feel like in twenty twenty two, like. Every, you know, I feel like that's how all the Gen Z, I think that's how all the kids are doing it these days is talking, talking, talking. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. These are my rules. Respect. Yeah. But that's, that was a sort of a more of a foreign concept um, for a man like Adam and for, I think, many men back in 2011 or 2012. I really liked seeing Amy (laughs) Schumer at the engagement party. Are you seeing? Uh, like perfect little cameo like her saying we love this fucking girl (laughs) such a character that was from such a that literally is she's a period piece in that one scene like that type of girl was such a specific girl i mean that line the words like (laughs) yeah she's like mother Teresa. mother Teresa didn't blow your cousin (laughs) (laughs) also when he walks away and she says he has the face of an old-timey criminal (laughs) yeah that's actually and then um she says like oh yeah it's like no actually it's peter pan it's like actually i see both and actually i you know <laughs> uh, but really oh yeah i mean i mean adam thing it gets really tricky because you know he's clearly trying he clearly likes natalia like he he like but he's like used to certain things with and hannah and hannah really did let him sort of do whatever he wanted you know to her because she needed to be loved um mm-hmm. And it's, I wonder what you both think, like, as things are sort of going well, like better and better and better. And then he sees Hannah and then boom, falls off the wagon. Do you think how, like, how intentional is that, do you think? I mean, it's just, they're so codependent with each other that, and they're so, they're in the exact same points in their lives in terms of, like, the amount of need they feel on a day-to-day basis. And, like, Natalia is obviously mm. very, like, yeah, she's a little bit less complicated and a little bit more basic, so to speak, than Hannah is. But and she, but she really knows what she wants. And I think Adam just feels very threatened yeah. by that and out yeah. of place with mm-hmm. her. And I think ultimately what she wants is not what he wants. I think we see that. And, like, do you remember how crazy the discourse was around that sex scene? Like, the, like the very... It was like, yes. it was so crazy that it overshadowed Marnie's moments, <laughs> which is insane. Like, which is, but, but like, people were really sort of blown away and sort of like, and some people hated that scene. And, you know, there were, uh, you know, lots of conversations about consent and, you know, which 
again, it like spurred a lot of important conversations. But I think what that scene really illustrated, at least, you know, on a, in the rewatch years later, is that like they just had completely different, they wanted completely different things. And he doesn't, and he was unable to control, yeah. Yeah. you know, control himself and his urges. And to the, you know, to a point where it becomes wholly untenable. And I think the line between bad sex and the line between, well, bad sex and getting non-consensual sex and getting taken advantage like of non-consensual is obviously sex. very blurry. Um, and I think that scene really expertly shows that. Um, and you can take, and I think any conclusion, you know, that a person mm -hmm. makes is fair. And you can justify, you know, sort of any takeaway from that, um, which is the scary thing about it. Um, yeah. But I do think from a character development standpoint, it shows that like, oh, they just are not on the same, uh, they're not in the same place. They're not, they don't want necessarily the same things, at least sexually. But I think that it stands for a larger thing there. Definitely, yeah. I um, I mean, also Sheree Appleby's performance in that sex scene is so good. Just she's like the I'm snapping. She's, so oh, she's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I mean, she she plays yeah. that like kind of horror and disappointment so well. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, backing up a little bit, Adam sees Hannah on the sidewalk, as we mentioned, mm, yeah. um, and he, she, I, I think, just seeing her kind of triggered him, and he goes back inside and relapses gets drunk um fiona apple valentine plays fiona oh apple. my god oh. so good a, per a perfect scene oh well it's just it's scene. how many iconic scenes were in this at the end of this one of talking we have to count out like i think there are at least four or five iconic like top 15 girl scenes in this episode mm -hmm. and that's one of them to me I mean, we, we will be getting into one of the most infamous scenes in just in just a bit but in just a moment i'm so excited um but the he gets drunk and as as we i think kind of covered um the horrible sex scene happens adam does not know how to have like normal sex he is used to the sex he's been having with hannah which is kind of depraved and um you know uh well she's just like sorry to get crass but like hannah's just like a hole <laughs> to him in a lot of no ways. say that say like that. yeah like natalia is anything but that and it just i don't i just remember being so shocked with all this like watching it the first time and like I, yeah i mean the discourse was really shocking about or like very like fraught around all this too but i do also remember a lot of it unduly being about like the fake come on her chest yes a lot of people were really upset were about people, the come people were bothered about that? yeah like very bothered really yeah there was yeah. it was too much across the line they definitely i remember people being really upset about that which is sort of like completely misses the entire point um <laughs> it really does also like yeah. what who cares that yeah that's doesn't i mean but i will say read that scene like adam eating natalia's ass a decade before it happened on the white lotus like we don't get like we forget that's true. Forget that these things, it. you know, people have to blaze a trail before we, you know, can have nice things. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it it definitely, I think it was it's intentionally blurry and and really difficult, really tough, really difficult to to parse. Which you know, a lot of sex can be that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Oh, wait, speaking of difficult uh, to parse, do we want to talk about Marnie <laughs> Julia? We, we must talk about Marnie, who is in full breakdown mode this um, this episode. Oh my god! I mean, first we see her singing like a Y two K pop star slash Disney princess, like bopping around the apartment trying to write a song and follow her dream. Following her dreams. <laughs> Lay down some tracks. Do you know the yeah, application yeah. Garage Band? Or no, do you know Garage Band the application? That's what she said. <laughs> the oh. the way Shoshana just tossed off, oh, she's following her dream was so funny to me. Shosh was on fire oh, this episode. Oh, like. so, so she's in her bag. She's so good. Yeah. Uh, Marnie last episode accosted Charlie at his new tech company office, as we remember. Um, and now we see her going back to Charlie's office to yell at him for skipping out on their quote unquote concrete lunch plans. Um, and then, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, she's down bad. She like, really he's, is. The, he's successful now. She wants, she wants, she wants up. She wants back in. And Charlie apologizes and invites Marnie to an office celebration um, to make up for it. And now we get into the most troubling infamous event of the season i'm gonna say something that i i I know this is being recorded i and so (laughs) you know i probably won't ever be able to take this back but i don't think i will take it back i think marnie's singing stronger by kanye west disgraced artist kanye west is maybe single-handedly the most important scene that girls has ever done like like the, the most iconic scene of all of girls history um and the cringiest and i think that goes hand in hand that's beautiful Chris thank you for saying that I 100% agree with you this has been like the white whale of the (laughs) podcast for me the entire time we've been doing this like have truly been dreading it since the first episode but like I agree there there's not a week that goes by especially on Twitter that I do not see this video It's, it's it's cultural legacy has lived on like tenfold. It's that dress. People in the year of our Lord 2022 were dressing like Marnie singing stronger at that party for Halloween. Literally. There are so many little humiliations that occur in just the scene alone. Like every extra in this shot deserves like like to be paid like a day rate or something because like the the variety of reactions like the disdain the disgust all of it it's incredible like the just like the what she does to the melody of stronger i was about to say (laughs) we have to like whoever arranged that deserves literally a million dollars and also to be tar and feathered because it's just so unbelievable the like even show up to this late shit like it's just like all like it's like just the way it's sung and like the melody it just it's so exquisitely marnie like it's exactly the way that girl would sing that song and thinking it's a sleigh and so incredibly just uh, tone deaf i know you don't say that anymore but just it is so perfectly awful and but also her acting is so she's uh, Allison Williams should have been nominated for an Emmy yeah, for that alone it was perfect genius it was genius genius, genius. I really want to stress to listeners who may be younger than us that there was an entire cottage industry of white girls in 2013 doing these like singing covers of rap songs like I don't Carmen do, do they not know the <laughs> band Carmen that was yeah, the, um, look at me now cover look at me now like that was you know the careers were about superstars start you could reach oh you could be very successful 
doing YouTube covers just like Marnie did. Like she wasn't that crazy for thinking that would be a success. No, it just it's a wild choice. Like I and also if you want to take it back even further, like Chris Allen on American Idol doing Heartless mm. and everyone losing their shit. About yeah, he beat David Arch- Archuleta and he shouldn't have he shouldn't have shouldn't have beat him. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So it was really and again, and now and you know, not to get into present day Kanye West, but like knowing everything that we know now, it just is such a in, in, it's honestly an amazing choice to capture a certain moment in time when like he was the most successful artist in the world that everybody was obsessed with that everybody loved and she was doing the thing that people did at that time that now seems so crazy to look back on like so absolutely insane um that it's almost like uh, lena and allison williams could see into the future and be like Yo, this is gonna this is gonna be hilarious now. Think about how crazy this is gonna look in ten years from now. <laughs> it's aged <Yeah. laughs> like a fine wine, truly. Oh, I I also oh. think it's so I mean, even just the the hand motion she does when she sings bow in the presence of greatness. <laughs> Every <laughs> all the little shimmies she does, all the little like the 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 head tilts. Oh it's perfect. I mean, and Drew, you're Correct. Every single extra deserves, um, you know, a million dollars because the shock and embarrassment that takes over the room, the like, should I laugh? I don't know what this is. It's completely insane. Literal crickets. You can be my white Kate Moss tonight. Literal crickets. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Also, kudos to Shoshana. She had some great reactions in that too. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, I don't know. She is just like it, just a complete lack of self awareness that, like, yeah, it, like you said, Chris, it was something that could have popped off in the year, I guess it was 2012. Um, but yeah. like, just wrong place, wrong time. She has no uh, idea how she's coming off. Oh, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. Yeah. It's like when she and, charlie like confront each other in his office and she's like should i be embarrassed i was yes. like girl <laughs> you know the answer to that and you just are not yeah. going to do the work to sort of like interrogate why you should be embarrassed because it's too embarrassing that she's also like exactly. baiting him in to save her because she's she's tried everything she's like being performatively crazy and then like <laughs> finally it sort of works because he just cannot help himself yeah Oh, God. It's Ugh. so crazy that Christopher Abbott was like, I'm actually done with the show after these two episodes. <laughs> he's actually, he's like, I'm actually going to leave. <laughs> I actually can't do this anymore. Um, I do understand why. I do understand. Hmm. They, put, they put Charlie through a lot. They really did. He had to, yeah. Think about how many takes of that she had to do. You know. <laughs> yeah. They put him through a lot. Um, I think we can wrap up this episode with Shosh, unless we have any other Marnie. Yeah, that's I think yeah, no, yeah. that's on Vici. We don't have a ton of shows this week. I mean, she and Ray are fraying, um, especially after she cheated with the hot doorman last week. Um mm. he's sick and she's taking care of him, but like she just she's feeling very like weird and guilty. She's so racked with guilt. And the thing that I didn't realize when I was, you know, like 18 watching it and like Definitely was so much clearer when, like, re-watching it 
in the past year was that like she's younger than these other girls like she's like you know uh, she's still in college she's like a sophomore like she's not really in the same maturity place mm-hmm. emotional place she's you know she's like a little girl who like went into her mom's closet and picked out her high heels and put them on and is like walking around the room pretending that she's a businesswoman so it's just like all of her sort of her immaturity and her um you know her inability to you know uh sometimes connect with Marnie and Hannah and uh Jessa but also her relation with Ray just makes it that much crazier that they're dating you know it just it really puts it in a whole new light when you consider like oh she's like she's like 19 she's just like she's got a lot of grown up to do a lot of living to do mm-hmm. yeah i i completely agree and also just seeing her in this relationship with Ray you really see the two, the difference but the stark kind yeah. of contrast between the two characters it like it really you know i've dated some rays i know you know i know some rays like he's do you know his heart he's in the in the best place but show still has this fantasy this very specific fantasy of what she wants her life to look like but she may never actually give up honestly um and he doesn't after having this experience you know with the doorman where she's guilty and like but like had a fucking fun ass time you know, the bubble, the Ray bubble has been burst and you can't really ever go back from that. Yeah. Well, she kind of like, not to bring it to a place of sex in the city, but like Shosh would do that. So <laughs> I'm going to do that. Like she kind of had a carry moment for the first oh, time. Oh, a hundred percent. A life of Miranda. And then she gets one carry mm-hmm. moment and it's like, she's got it. Yeah. It, it changes her worldview um, in yeah. a real way. Um, but seeing that she's not an emotionally mature enough place to be like, hey, I did this thing. I don't want to be with you anymore. We need to break up. That's where she's at in this episode. She's not ready to do that. So she just is like a complete fucking weirdo, which was really funny to watch. And like randomly hitting on like Charlie, like this, that like guy at the party who fun fact um, was played by Ricky Van Veen, AKA Allison Williams' husband at the time. No, that was her husband at the time. Who is the co-founder of Funny or Die. That is so, oh, so he's rich, rich. So he's basically Charlie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That is so crazy. Wait, I did not know that. Wow, I learned something new every day. That's a good sleuthing. There is like a whole network of weird like New York, like tech bro gossip and just like bloggy media stuff that is tied to the show. Like it just spills out over, mm-hmm. like it's so crazy. They were of the moment. They were capturing a real moment that existed <laughs> in society that people love it or hate it. It really did exist and it really did go down a lot like that. It's a historical record. Yeah. It should be in the Smithsonian. Yes. Um, should we move on to the finale? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, yes. so I think maybe we can start with Shoshan Marnie and end with Hannah since she has like the most going on. Mm. Oh yeah, because Jess is like gone. <laughs> yeah, Jess is Jess is gone except for her the sound of her voicemail, which we hear later. But um, mm. or her voicemail box message. Anyway, Shosh and Ray, their relationship is failing, and Shosh is saying that his lack of ambition is like weighing on her. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a continuation of what we saw in the last episode. And to Ray's credit, you know, he does, he wants to, he wants to be different, but he is also, he's, he is who he is and he's older and he's more set in his ways. And, you know, he's not ever, he's not going to be 
the guy that shows wants him to be. That's just not. But he does really love her. I feel, I always, I always thought. Well, eh, but he also is sort of in love with Marnie, and that comes up later. <laughs> Truly, I mean, yeah. I, he Ray goes to his boss at the coffee shop and says that. he wants to get his PhD in Latin studies. And it's funny, the boss is like, she doesn't want a Latin uh, scholar. <laughs> she wants a rich businessman who will buy yeah. her croissant-shaped bags. Exactly. Um, so the boss gives him the offer, the opportunity to build up a new coffee shop, which, you know, good good for him. But um, sure. In Brooklyn Heights, too. Fancy. In fancy neighborhood. Um <laughs> And but Shosh isn't really still doesn't buy it. She's like things aren't working. You hate everything. I can't be the only thing you like, which is such a cutting line. And she spilled there. She fully spilled. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Her saying that I love you the way I feel sorry for her. Very sad. It's like, but oh. so funny, and is actually I think very true to how she felt. Like where she felt like yeah. he was bringing her down. She's rising. Like she is rising in the world she's like and she sort of says it she's like i'm trying to become the person who i'm gonna be and like i can't be the only thing that you i you know I, you're you're bringing me down i will say one thing that i did disagree with that rang false to me and nothing in girls really ever rings false but when she was like you should go to therapy and ray was like i don't go to th- i would never go to therapy and it's like ray would 100 percent be in therapy <laughs> like yeah, oh, a therapy, therapy guy. guy. So I was like, okay, that, yeah, I see what they were doing there. That's, uh, he would definitely be in therapy. I don't agree with that. But the center of their fight, her being like, and it did come from the place of like, oh, I fucked the doorman. And so I felt guilty. But then she started seeing the relationship differently. But like the the actual seed of it being, I no longer want to be in this relationship for X reasons. You are too negative and you're bringing me down, I think was very valid. Mm-hmm. And she did sort of like mature in that moment and she was able to talk to him about it so there was some growth for for Soch and she that's why I think she gets to end on a win making out with a blonde guy in a bar she really does and I mean (laughs) this is kind of the first main stage of her like metamorphosis into ultimately the most mature girl exactly and honestly I do think there's a little bit of like she's learned a little bit from the mistakes of her elders be it you know even if it's like three to four Mm -hmm. years older but she does she does seem to at least learn from her mistakes at least, and it, or at least as an example of her doing that and then she like gets properly awarded for it with like a little make out at a bar with a blonde man even though she said she would never she wasn't into adult blondes <laughs> oh god i mean i completely agree i do think shosh is on top this season she really came out the other side she's a beautiful butterfly and like she said to Ray, she can't be surrounded by his negativity while she's trying to grow into a fully formed human. And I totally respect that. And I think it was a great kind of character growth moment for the character. Yeah, I felt bad for Ray, though, in the moment, because it's like, it's sort of, again, this can happen. People can outgrow people and outgrow relationships and you didn't do anything and you didn't do, he didn't, you know, do anything wrong. He's still the same guy. Mm-hmm. But that's just, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah, uh, that it's it's such a good scene, and like I just have so much fondness for Shosh. Like I think with time, people kind of realize that she is like the best of the girls. I think, but like it's just it's nice. I don't know. And Zosha Mima is just so good at like so ever. good. 
She's so yeah. every line reading is somehow perfect, but not what you would necessarily expect. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, she's so good. And she's so good on the flight attendant too, but like, that's an example of someone who's like, why has she not been in every single thing since then? <laughs> she, I should be constantly seeing Zosha Mammon on my screen. <laughs> she's so good in that. Um, but yeah, Zosha mm -hmm. really does. Absolutely. She will inherit the earth. <laughs> she will. She will rule us all. <laughs> she will. <laughs> in a um, hair donut <laughs> as her tiara. <laughs> her hair was so crazy this season. Her hair is always crazy. Like, she could have had in another lifetime like a thriving career as a cosmetologist because like i can only assume she's doing that all herself and it's genuinely impressive to get oh, that amount of sculpture in one's hair a hundred percent impressive again it's it's a little girl playing in her mom's closet playing with her mom's fucking makeup and and hair products that's and bobby pins, bobby pins. <laughs> like she was positively space age this episode <laughs> Xenon like, girl of the 21st century vibes. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, so great. Um, should we move into Marnie? Yes, please. This whole scene, once again, made me crawl mm -hmm. out of my skin. Absolutely. I mean, so we first see Charlie eating Marnie out, and she is uh, loving it until she asks, wait, how are you so good at this? Seriously, how many people have you slept with since we broke up? And then Charlie replies, I'm not doing this with you, Dudette. <laughs> yeah, Dudette really sent me. <laughs> that really sent me. But it's definitely something that uh, Charlie would say. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we see them at brunch drinking mimosas, like the ultimate chuggy kind of couple at Roberta's in Brooklyn, of all places. <laughs> Uh, then, oh, God. And then we hear like the most insane line of the episode, maybe when Marnie kind of expects him to want to settle down now that they both have like had experiences outside of the relationship. And then she storms out when he doesn't seem into it and says she all she ever wanted was to have Charlie's quote unquote little brown babies. Yeah, that's actually the second moment that rang falls for me this episode. <laughs> Um, and uh, Charlie's not particularly brown, but I get, but I no. will say in Marnie's defense, I will say in Marnie's defense, Marnie is the type of white woman who thinks that Charlie is a brown person. So that yes. actually I, does dramaturgically, that does actually yes. work. Like she's, um, <laughs> it's very true to her character. When I heard her say those words, I thought, I thought, of course, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> like Italian. Yes, is exactly. Yeah. She's that waspy, that she's that, she's that white, which is crazy yeah. i oh. will say it's crazy thinking of the, the the marnie charlie thing and knowing that christopher abbott who plays charlie just was like i'm out at the end of the season they were not setting that up they they were fully like uh, marnie and charlie but we're gonna be a big thing season three i think they had a lot more in store because why else would they get back together like i think i i really do think that True. people blindsided lena and like, yeah. like the cast and crew of girls in leaving because they fully set you know marnie and charlie up to sort of sort of be this couple this really ill-advised couple getting back together because you know supposedly love but probably because of fear um honestly him leaving was probably the one of the better things though to happen yeah to for marnie and the show it's yeah, like, it's a very, like, once again, taking it to a place of sex in the city, but it's a very, like, Charlotte Trey kind yeah. of pairing, like, 
it's like forcing the waspiness into like a shape that doesn't really fit in. I okay, this is my conspiracy theory about all this though. And I I thought this while I was watching the episode. This had series finale vibes to me. Wow. Oh, because everyone's story ends. Yeah, because oh, you're right. Wow. And wasn't it unclear whether or not they were gonna get a season three? Well, this show was never a ratings smash success. Like it was always like very like an online cult hit. Mm-hmm. And this was in the same time period that like HBO was canceling things like Enlightened or like how to get away, not how to get away with murder, how to make it in America. <laughs> how to make it in America. Yes. Similar yeah. show. Yes. Um, that's so such like, a good point. It was plausible that it would have gotten canceled. So like all these storylines got wrapped up in ways that felt very like, kind of bittersweet but like very neat at the same time yeah no completely neat like you could have if, if the series ended at the end of episode two or episode 10 season two you would have had a sort of a complete arc for every girl except maybe jessica because i don't remember where we left her but but the three like marnie shosh and hannah like they both like we got we you know they had their montage we saw their montage moment and it all you know they could have easily ended then Thank God it yeah. didn't, but it could have been. <laughs> Thank God it didn't, but yeah, I I don't it, like. I can definitely see a world in which Christopher Abbott was like, okay, we. I think this is only going to be on for two seasons. Like, I'm going to go try to have this like indie man art house film career, and then yeah, it does get renewed, and he just bails anyway. Yeah, it gets renewed, and then he's like, he does his indie man art thing, does it pretty well, and then like season five, he's like, hey, wait, should I just like come back for an episode? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like great and it's, and a, it's, a, and it's a perfect episode it's literally it's literally a perfect episode <laughs> but yeah i feel like i'm less hot on how marnie ended like you know i'm like oh show like really shows some growth marnie is like going back to charlie for all the wrong reasons because he's successful now and because he's safe and because you know she's afraid and she's lost and you can feel that you can feel that even though she got what she wanted is it's like you know it wasn't meant, it wasn't long for this world. <laughs> but I wonder if they would have made that decision had no. Chris Rabbit stuck around mm-hmm. to, to break them up. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's an interesting point that it definitely does have like series finale vibes. And even just him, them getting back together, like didn't make a ton of sense for me. But I feel like it's, it's an interesting point yeah. to leave it. <laughs> they were to leave it um should we get into hannah it's tough so yeah yeah, she her q-tip activity has left her with a terrible ringing in her ears and she's now like distracting herself from actually finishing the book so she's google searching like ruptured eardrum and how does your body know not to stop dreaming or breathing and Normal tongue. Normal tongue. Normal tongue got me. I've done that one. Before. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, her editor calls her while she's, you know, doing this Google procrastination anxiety thing, and um, kind of calls her out for not being committed to the book. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's like asking for extra time, basically saying her ear concussion, ear concussion, quote unquote, is making it hard to write. And then he kind of threatens to sue her if he doesn't get the pages today. So yeah, 
I mean, now she has to write a book in a day. Well, yeah. And that's how, you know, her mental illness has progressed to such a point where it's like, she needs literal help. Um, is that she thinks she can write a book in a day. <laughs> she like, she seems to really believe, yeah. I mean, she doesn't and she doesn't really try, but she seems to think that, I mean, initially she seems to think that's her way out. And then she's like, you know what, let me call my parents because this it's really bad, but they're, they've set up boundaries with her and they, you know, which boundaries are hard. <laughs> they're, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, Hannah's dad who passed away, Peter Scolari, oh, he's so good. Tad, he's so he's good so in this, good and he's so this. so is Becky Ann Baker, Becky Ann Baker, I should say, um, Hannah's mom, Lorraine. But he is just really, really does really great work, and I'm so glad that he, um, I think did he get did he win the Emmy? He, he won an Emmy for this. He won the Emmy for the like. Uh, not to like jump ahead too much, but like the coming yes, out season. Yeah, at the end. So, but I'm going. He won an Emmy, like guest actor. No, oh, I didn't Emmy, know he won an Emmy. Um, which was uh, he was like a TV lifer. Like he was on a sitcom with Tom Hanks yeah. back in the '80s. Tom Hanks got famous. Mm-hmm. They were like co-leads. It was like a, like a like a bosom buddies type of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, that's all to say. Sorry for that little tangent. That like Hannah, she. No. Serious, deep help, um, and she knows she knows that she knows she needs help, but she doesn't know what type of help she needs. Yeah, and I feel like this episode we're kind of just seeing other people's perspectives on her meltdown and neuroses and selfishness. Like even just seeing this with Hannah's dad telling her, "Like I can't keep, I can't keep." standing up for you to your mom like i can't give you the money to quote unquote restore freedom in your writing process like you need to take care of this yeah it really and then, and then i mean then she cuts her own which is the biggest cry for help a person can do is cutting her own bangs mm-hmm. um, oh god yeah this like ramona quimby bowl cut i kind of <laughs> forgot she did this it was so just uh, so upset like whenever if you're cutting your own hair and i've been in a place of cutting my own hair before like you are at <laughs> rock bottom like, you have to seek truth. And, and when you're asking your creepy neighbor not creepy but your weird neighbor laird to come up and help you finish you're, you're in a very dark place <laughs> yeah oh but even with yeah. laird i mean laird sort of says and i think he goes too hard but i think that's sort of the thesis of the of Hannah is like mm-hmm. you're rotten on the inside like and that's like and in that way it's like she's like breaking down on the outside and he's talking about like you know like her like you know her interior her interiority and saying that she's rotten which I don't really believe but even still like she like she wants him to help her she wants him to save her she needs to be saved to the point where she then like makes up like a fake like illness after getting her hair cut it's like and like sort of faints, which she was totally like she was fine. Um, to try to get Laird to like help her. And then when he does, she's like, she's like, don't touch, don't take advantage of me, which is just like <laughs> she, oh, yeah, oh, she's, so, she's so she doesn't know what she wants, but she knows she needs she knows she needs help. Yeah. She needs somebody, she needs somebody to swoop in cinematic rom-com style and save the day. Mm-hmm. And that's like exactly what she gets. Um, So she, after, well, after Laird leaves, she calls Jessa and leaves her a voicemail screaming at her for dipping out on her upstate. 
like that anorexic Marnie. Like, that was <laughs> unbelievable. She's like, you're wearing a crop top. You probably got your vagina pierced. Like it's just a rant, a rant for the ages. Truly, truly. But it's like, but Jessica does. I mean, and that's the thing about Jessica. She's not like she she doesn't have the capacity to be a good friend. And the thing about Marnie, you say whatever you want about Marnie. Marnie's a good friend. Marnie shows up. Marnie showed up for Hannah. She just wasn't, Hannah wasn't in a place, Hannah wasn't ready to see her. Hannah, Hannah couldn't, didn't want to be seen in, the, in, her, in her condition by Marnie. But Marnie cares. She shows up. She, even if it's right. uh, so annoying, she, she is there. <laughs> Which I think we always, we forget. Are we, we, you know, yeah. we like to talk shit about Marnie, but she is consistent in that way. Right. And then we see Hannah later. She FaceTimes Adam to quote unquote check in, but I think she just kind of wants him to be witness to her like spiraling. Um, and Adam, you know, heeds the call and runs shirtless to her apartment, breaks down her door and just is there for her. And it honestly, like clearly very dysfunctional pair, but did make me cry. Very, very moving. <laughs> No, it really, it really is because in a way it's like, it's that simple, right? It's like Hannah needed to be saved and, you know, by, and it's her fault that she needed to be saved. She put, she's the one who put herself in this position, but like Adam as simple and as like animalistic as he is, he sees she's in danger. He cares about her. He's going to go and do something about it. Like he didn't like over, he's not overthinking. Mm. He's actually underthinking. He slams in the door. He like obviously ruins his relationship with Natalia because at the end of the day, he was like, oh, this girl that I, you know, care about and love, for better, for worse, you know, needs me. I will be there. Um, and it's just, and it is that, mm-hmm. that simple. I mean, does that excuse mm-hmm. all the other things that he did and will do? Who's to say? But at least in this moment, like, she, <laughs> needed, she needed someone to hold her like a little baby and tell her everything was going to be all right. And he, he's the one, he's, he's the guy who showed up. Yeah, and I feel like Adam's, like, the only one we see in this episode and in much of this season giving her second chances. And, like, she's also maybe the only one giving him second chances, which... I do think it should be said, though, re-Adam, not to give him too much credit, is that he had gone to a place now with Natalia where, like, like, their sex was bad. He was, like, you know, know, after their sort of horrendous, you know, sex from the last episode, he's, like, you know, trying to sort of be this different type of guy for her, for Natalia, and it just, like, clear, it just wasn't working, so, like, Hannah, someone that he could be all of the, you know, ugliest, grossest parts of himself, and she wouldn't, she doesn't leave, I think, when she calls, and she's, like, mm-hmm. please come help me, even though she doesn't say that, that's what she's saying, he's, you know, he, it's not like him and Natalia were doing so well, it's, like, he was, like, oh, this is the person, maybe, that I am meant to be with, so let me go, and knock down her door and be there for her because I care. And that's what you do when you care about somebody. Absolutely. You knock <laughs> yes, down their door. It caused them thousands <laughs> of dollars in property damage. <laughs> Did kind of tear up a little. Yeah. It's, at this, like, I can guess what we It's a hundred percent moving. And it is a, it's also it's such like a young love. It's like, I don't know any 30-year-olds who would be doing that for <laughs> any, you know? No. Oh, my God. I don't know many 24-year-olds who'd be doing that, too. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, really, it's, it, again, it's a microcosm of, of, you know, of 
of where they are, you know, emotionally, physically, and just like age-wise, you know? Um, and yeah, you can definitely recognize, I think the thing that Lena gets so right about girls and like about people in general, and I think the thing that's so lost now in culture and television shows and like, it's really hard to find is that like, even though these two people definitely aren't good for each other, you know, entirely, they're not entirely bad for each other. There's a lot of gray area, right? No one's all perfect. No one's all terrible. People are good and bad. And it's like, not like evil versus good. And like, I think that like, that's what makes the Adam Hannah relationship so interesting is that like, yeah, there's a lot of bad there. And there will be, there's a lot of bad to come. If you're listening, you haven't seen girls yet. There's bad stuff to come. Um, but you, that moment is undeniably <laughs> romantic. That's the most romantic thing a person can do. And, and ultimately sweet, I think. Yeah. So Chris, now that we're at the end of a very complex season, um, how did you, what do you think about season two in relation to the entire show? Like, did you think this I ended okay? Do. I do. Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like season two was sort of like, people were like, it like, it was so great season one and it like it like got worse in season two and having rewatched it like a while ago and just watching these two episodes i literally do think episode nine is one of on all fours is one of the best episodes of any television show of all time and of girls too but like i think that's a masterpiece in television um and storytelling and characters um and hilarious and devastating and i think it ends in a way that like as you said if they had pressure from the network they were like hey we don't know if this is gonna like if this is gonna be it, like it was satisfying, and yet clearly still, the engine was going enough to like give us like plenty more seasons, plenty more things to come. So, I think season two of Girls, you know, some of the some of the be- some of the best girls, some of the best girls there ever was. So I'm I'm really high on it. I'm clearly very hot on hot on season two. I, I you guys have probably watched way more more recently. So, <laughs> am I right? I I agree with you. I think like this season had a lot of character building, slower episodes and like a few bottle episodes. And then I th- think I said earlier like they shoved a lot of curveballs and just a lot of stuff into these last few episodes which obviously I loved but was maybe a little messy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I feel like maybe it was that kind of that pressure they felt from the network maybe like oh shit, we have to wrap this up. We have to kind of leave on a bang but also who knows yeah what what i definitely agree with you julia like i i like this season a lot i do think it's a slight step down from season one if only because like yes it is rushed at the end but like there are also a few like kind of fluffy episodes in here that like i don't think you necessarily need like remind me which ones i'm talking about so the we talked last week about episode eight which is i guess nothing really happens there except like hannah's ocd starts flaring up um Char- yeah. that's when we find out charlie has the app like okay I do think that could have been combined maybe into like one episode and we do also kick off the season with the Donald Glover of it all. Oh with, yeah, that like, was completely misguided. That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was like, but I also understand why that happened. And I think there is an interest like she tried an interesting thing, it just didn't work. Um Yeah, it's not it's not as bad as people <laughs> remember it being, yes, I think. Right. But like 
or uh, kind of how people want it to be too like yeah I mean, she's, yeah she's definitely trying something interesting but just like not really succeeding at it yeah but, like the two yeah like i said the two masterpieces in this season are like top five girls episodes like just fantastic all around and like it never stops being funny yeah even when the the plotting is a little bit less in like intentional yes that's fair that's fair that's very that's fair that's very smart and very astute but yeah i will ride i will ride for on all four season two episode nine because that is that to me that is cinema baby and by cinema i mean tv (laughs) (laughs) gorgeous so one of our final segments is uh which girl are you in these episodes? Ooh, oh my god, that oh, that makes everything. Or, wait, no, no, I'm sorry, did I read that wrong? Oh, no, no, I did. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, you, I'm, you wrote. I'm like cross-eyed at this point. So, mm. wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, in these two episodes, okay. Well, I definitely, I say this. Huh, thinking about it, I've definitely been all of these girls at different in in these episodes at different points of my life right so it's like i've definitely been spiraling out of control like hannah and sort of like needed to be saved i don't feel like i'm in that space right now um if i am if i am marnie in episode nine if i am showing up to my boyfriend's work and singing stronger by kanye west then you have to put me down so um yeah no i actually i do think i you know i would like this maybe this is aspirational of me but like i think shows like you know, just figuring things out, but getting more clarity in terms of like what she wants and what she needs and making some hard decisions, you know, in regards to that and like, and maturing, hopefully at a faster rate than other people. Um, yeah, I think I want to go with, I think, right. I think the show, I think shows um, is who I, who I was these two episodes. Though I've definitely been, I like when, when I spiral, it looks a lot like Hannah. So <laughs> know that, know that. I feel like I, I felt Hannah's procrastination and like scary Google searches. So honestly, that that's those two things I identified with for Hannah. Mm. Drew, who were you? so um marnie i was marnie this episode um you know i i would never get up and sing stronger in front of people on a literal sense but like would i get like zooted and insanely performative in front of a crowd to like spite someone Mm, absolutely I, I would I would say that I am a Marnie in that sense. But I also did feel Shosh a little bit because, like, I have dated Rays in the past. And, like, that conversation felt very yeah. true to how that dynamic usually works. But- a thousand percent. I have been there, honey. And I, yes. And I, you know, I could learn a thing or two from Shosh. We could all learn a thing or two from Shosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see you get zooted and, you know, performative. That would be fun. <laughs> what's your song drew for karaoke or for for your zooted performance oh my god well probably i mean i'll just answer the karaoke one like anything gwen stefani because you can get a little bit like hey girl like (laughs) yes this shit is bananas you can get nasal (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so great oh my god thank you guys for having me this is so fun Thank you so much for coming on. This was truly 
a perfect way to close out this season. Oh my god! Well, I there's nothing I love more than talking about girls. Um, so please have me back whenever. I know. I was gonna say we need to have you back. Before we go, though, we usually rank the girls, uh, but I think we should rank the girls like oh, yes. not for these two episodes, but for the season. Like who is coming out on top and who is on the bottom. Ooh, okay. Um, do you want me to go first? Because I don't, I don't remember the whole season, but I do remember the whole season. But I'm thinking, um, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to put Shosh one. I'm going to put Hannah two, Marnie three, Jessa four. Wow, Jessa on the bottom. Yeah, I, I mean, she wasn't in the two episodes that I just watched. So I'm sure I, I like... Because she was sort of in absentia, she sort of has to default be at the bottom. But also she is, did abandon all of these people in their time of need. And I know she's on her own personal journey and we'll get more of her. We get plenty more of her to come and soon. But yeah, I think, yeah, Jessa last, Marnie third because her relationship with Charlie is false. Hannah second because at least she's trying even though she's unraveling and Shosh because she actually grows. First. Drew, what what say you? I am pretty similar. I am Shosh number one. I think Justin number two, just because I think her dipping out, even though it's bad for everyone else in her life, like Mm. is going to be good for her. Mm -hmm. Then Marnie three, because she is just so embarrassing. And then Hannah, like Hannah just bottomed out too many times for her not to be bottomed. That's literally, that's actually, that's totally fair. But she did fuck Patrick Wilson and that's huge. Yes, she does. And that is a win that no one <laughs> That does add some points to her book. But I, I drew, I think I'm my rating ranking is the exact same. Damn. Wow. I gotta go back to the beginning of the season for remind yeah. of what what Hannah did. God, maybe We we are also Hannah not haters necessarily, but like we are very hard on her okay. on episode episode basis with this segment. Yeah. Wow, okay, so you hate me because I said I was a Hannah. Okay, the truth comes out. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm a Hannah too, trust me. I just think we have to look at it objectively. And and she is not not ranked on the bottom in our hearts, but ranked on the bottom in terms of um, things yeah, she that, does. Yes. No, that is, <laughs> that is so, so entirely fair. Um, that, God, wow. But we yeah, love her. We love her. We love, we love her. her. Watch every love week. Love them all. Love them all. <laughs> Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here. And also, I would just, your piece on the show for the 10-year anniversary is mandatory reading for any fan of this podcast. So if you have not read it, please go read it. Please, yes. It's still still available wherever websites are sold. Chris, what, where can people follow you, read you? Uh, oh, my God, amazing question. So you can read my writing on VanityFair.com or in the magazine sometimes even. Um, I also used to write for Vulture, so there's some stuff there too. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christress, C-H-R-I-S-T-R-E-S-S. And I have a White Lotus podcast. So if you want to talk about another HBO show, yeah. Oh, my God. That. And you can go backtrack unless, yeah. Still watching, still watching with Vanity Fair, White oh. Lotus season two, with and that includes some interviews with the cast and crew, or just the cast. I talked to Aubrey Plaza this week, and she was cool as hell. And she should have been on <laughs> Girls if she wasn't on Girls. Wow! Oh my god, she she'd be a great, great girls, girls girl. girl. But I, she, 
I need to listen to your podcast. Yeah, please do. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Well, thank you again. This was such a treat, yeah. and we'll have to have you on again soon. Yeah. Oh my god, Julia, Drew, this is so great. Thank you so much. I had the time of my life. Ah. Thank have you. Have wonderful nights. <laughs> Bye.